It's Saturday, October 23rd, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling, there are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. You can find them at manrubs.com. For all the rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, everything you need to make barbecue great again, use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They are at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, anything you'd need, custom Kydex, Use the code STEAK for 5% off your order. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording gear can be found at odyssey.com. Whether you're in-studio recording, gaming, or podcasting, they got everything you need to take care of some of those uh, audio needs. They're on Facebook and they're on Instagram. Firearms? I like them. Hunting season's coming up. Probably need some new ones. Some boating licenses Ooh. and some ammo. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's got a five-star rating. If you like tradesies, he's a licensed FFL. New website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Tactical gear done right. Our first responders love Mediocre Medic. Not that any of them are, but uh, they got a lot of gear you can utilize while saving lives, either on or off duty. Patches, sweatshirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Mediocremedic.com. Well-loved Instagram by the first responder community as well. I'm getting that goddamn fanny pack. There you go. And then Tactical Gear, God Tier, Marcho Friday, Dumpbox.us, home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. They're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, and their product is amazing. On that note... Welcome. Episode 75, Saturday edition. Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Roan, joined today by Noah. What's up? Antoinette's here. Hello, hello. And our first guest, you may know her online from many of her various accounts, Miss Marissa Hansen. Welcome to Steak for Breakfast. Hey, everyone. How are y'all doing today? Good. We're here. How are you? Yeah, we're here. Doing well. Um, I, I just came from an anti-human trafficking event with our girl, Natalie. It was, it was a really good event. Yeah. Natalie Denise is a great friend of our show and does a lot of good work in that community as well. Oh yeah. She does amazing work. Um, she's, she's phenomenal. She really deserves, um, an award for what she's doing out there. She's really making a difference. Yeah, she really does. She's amazing. Yeah. Well, before we get into it today, let's get an update from you. Um, 
probably over the last, what, six months or so, the, the role in, in our community has changed for you from more of digital to hands-on in the community. Why don't you talk about some of the work you're doing and what it's in regards to down in the Houston area? Um, well, it's a lot of work right now. Um, I started getting involved with the po- local officials recent uh, in the past couple of months because I realized that our city was really taking a turn for the worst. And I think a lot of people in red states don't realize this, but they have a lot of Soros and Zuckerberg money here um, or in their cities. And, um, you know, I just wanted to start opening the books a bit more and realize or like find out where the money was going. And the more I looked into things, the more concerned I became. Um, I had found out that our local commissioners had voted to defund our police by $20 million. Mm. Love that. Which was, which was very concerning because the amount of crime that has, uh, has skyrocketed since COVID hit. So, um, you know, and then I started realizing that they were putting funds into departments that really didn't need that kind of money. Um, Just this past week, they passed a bill for $50 million to plant trees and put up lights to combat crime. Wow. And this is this is following uh, the last weekend where three police officers were shot. One was killed. The other one was shot in the back. And it's just, it's astonishing to me that, you know, this is happening right in our own backyards. And a lot of people, they think, oh, I live in a red state. This isn't happening here, but it is. Uh Yeah, they're really after. Crime fighting trees? Yeah. And lights. And lights. And light bulbs. Yeah. Yeah. They think by beautifying neighborhoods that it's going to make crime go down, which oh, is the exact opposite of what I believe right. we now, Marcel, need. We, we have no holds bar on this show, so language, it gets as colorful as you want it to get. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but also things that we say as well, we don't... Are they putting the lights on the trees like Christmas? <laughs> Only during <laughs> the holidays. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> names, too. We, we, don't, we don't shy away from names like George Soros, oh. Hillary Clinton saying things like the actual virus for what it is, COVID-19. I mean, I listen to a lot right. of shows and a lot of content creators in our community who have to use literally code words to, because they're afraid of getting whatevered. Um, yeah, but we so, don't care. I mean, if you really want me to go into... The go into, go into some of the bigger the names who are in this because I don't think all the people at like the city, city level, maybe like some of the judges and, and, and city council members will be as familiar to our audience as some of the ones who are more predominant when you see... Uh, you know, the, the people in the Beltway who go out bitching always have their little peanut gallery behind them, and you'll see some of these faces that you're probably going to mention now. Like Judge Lena Hidalgo, mm-hmm. Adrian Garcia, and Commissioner Rodney Ellis, who used to be a senator mm. and ended up having to leave his Senate seat for corruption. Imagine Oops. that. Yeah. <laughs> Huh? Nice little retirement job for him down there in the Houston area, right? Yeah, good for him. Yeah, yeah. It's a def- it's definitely a good way for him to get mo- money moving around, which he was doing back in when he was a senator in Texas. Um, they they definitely have a nice little organization that they're helping out. Let's I, say. I, I heard I heard Miss Jackson Lee's pretty uh, involved down there as well. Oh yeah, she's definitely involved, and she's heavily heavily involved in it. 
Um, she's, you know, her and Ellis are good, good friends. Mm -hmm. And the more, you know, about Sheila Jackson Lee, like the fact that she has over eight offices Mm. in Houston, Texas, which I think is ridiculous. It's astronomical. Why do you need eight offices when you, when she's basically in Washington, DC and flying around uh, the country all the time? What, like, what does she, what does she need eight offices for? Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good work that you're doing down there. You're assembling a pretty solid team. Uh, we're going to continue to track it. And uh, mm-hmm. I talked to Natalie. She's going to come on at some time mid to late November. And mm-hmm. at some point when, you know, depending on what you guys can, can get to the bottom of there, we'll, we'll be sure to have you guys back on to talk all about it because, you know, Texas is a really in, important state to our country. It's a big state in the movement. And there's a lot of people, you know, who follow this show, and are activated and, 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 you know, our patriots in the movement who live there, who have a lot of concerns, it might not necessarily affect them right now, or it does, and they don't know it. Well, yes. yeah. So that's the whole thing. So um, let me just give you guys kind of a rundown with what's happening in our commissioner's court. Hit it. So, so every other Friday, they drop a list of 380 items to 200 items. Mm. And that Friday, it's usually around like three, four o'clock in the afternoon that they drop this list. It only, they only give the commissioners from Friday till that next Tuesday to look into every single item. So this Friday, they dropped a list which had over 380 items. And if you are to look into these agenda items, you start noticing that they are throwing money to these LLCs. Mm-hmm. And then when you go into, the investigating the LLCs, there's a lot of ties that string it back together to these, the commissioners and the judge that are voting for these policy or for this money to be sent to these certain, you know, businesses and whatnot. Like they're, they're giving government contracts to their friends, which are basically kickbacks. Yeah. I'm it's, pretty sure this very, is everywhere. It's yeah. very upsetting because, you know, the amount of money that I am uncovering comes up to hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, which I think is being misallocated and misspent. And I think that these agenda items, they're basically cloward pivoting yeah. our system right now. And you guys know what a cloward pivot, pivot strategy is, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're basically overwhelming our system with all of these yep. spending programs. And eventually we're just going to, it's going to collapse our system. And I think that's kind of the point of what they're trying to do. I think that they're trying to bankrupt us, which is no different than what's happening, you know, on the federal level. Yeah. And, and in, a, in other that, major cities like, like San Francisco, Chicago, and New York, you see a lot of this stuff happens. And the only thing it winds up fortifying is ensuring that the people who are doing it stay in power and stay in office. Exactly. And right now, Rodney Ellis has just submitted a new map for redistricting Houston. Mm. And if he if this goes through, this gives uh, the Democrats a leg up and they have then they will have unanimous votes in raising our taxes. Um, They will continue to create these election administrations, which uh, dilutes the Republican vote. This is not like 
this redistricting map that Rodney Ellis proposed looks like a jigsaw puzzle. It makes no sense for the constituents. It puts them in more danger than it does do good for them. Mm -hmm. And basically all it is, is just him trying to maintain more power over our county, which is, it's terrible. I mean, imagine being uh, moved precincts and finding out that if you call 911, the closest police officer is 60 miles away. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's That's it's funny. shocking. And, you know, I went and addressed Commissioner Ellis about it. And I asked him, does he think that this is what's best for his constituents or for himself? And he wouldn't answer. Of course. He I wouldn't. mean, that's you never answer. It's crazy. They won't. Yeah. They just sit there and look at you. And if you go and like read their Google reviews, all of the constituents have the same issue. None of them can get a meeting with these commissioners or the judge. Uh, there's people that have literally been waiting for months. I know for myself, because I've requested meetings with them since this June of this year, and I still can't get a meeting with them. I asked them who uh, informed them that the voting machines were outdated. Yeah. I still won't get an answer. And I've asked them three times. You guys have seen it. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, re it's really crazy stuff to um to just kind of track right now and, and it's going to be really interesting to see just how much you uncover in the months moving ahead uh i know it's well, gonna... I'm, unco I'm uncovering a lot i can tell you that yeah you sure are um and i mean it's pretty crazy that they spent 32 million on last year's election whereas the 2016 election only cost four million wow that's a pretty big jump for the... yeah i mean how much does it cost for COVID cleaning supplies or like antibacterial soap? For real. I mean, they implemented drive-through voting. Yep. And I had found out that drive prior voting. to that, they were already looking at new machines that uh, that supplied the verified uh, voter paper audit trail. And they were testing the machines out back in July of last year before the election. So they knew that the machines were outdated and they still use the same machines. And then two months after the election, the election administrator that was only voted by one party line uh, brings over this $54 million voting uh, new voting machine contract for the commissioners to sign. Mm. And I'm like, Something just doesn't sit right with me about that. I mean, to negotiate a contract for $54 million for new voting machines two months after the election with yeah. the election administrator that was voted in on one party line, there's just, I, I, can't, I can't say that something doesn't sit right here. Yeah, it's very suspect. Yeah. yeah. And what we're going to get into right now, which is at the national level is, is how some of these things that you're describing is happening locally in Houston is affecting the rest of the country because, mm. because late in the week, this week we had the, uh, some congressional hearings with none other than himself, Mr. Revenge hire, uh, Merrick Garland, the mm. attorney general. I, I think it's really mm. important that we get into this and, and like it was with the three who led the disaster in Afghanistan. And before that with Tony Blinken, um, in his Senate committee hearings, uh, it's, it's, it's really. So oh, did you hear, did you hear about, uh, Merrick Garland's wife being yeah. the head of uh, a whole bunch of audits? Well, well that's what we're going to talk about just about how yeah. his whole family is connected. You know, last week we, we talked about her.
being connected to some audit integrity groups and how that group has been pushing back right nationally on the audits. In addition to his son-in-law being involved in a $75 million implementation of, yeah, of critical race theory across the country Mm -hmm. under different names now. So if you don't use the correct pronouns in your school board hearings, you're immediately shut down and kicked out for noncompliance. Wow. In in addition to, you, you have to remember just in general, the revenge factor of him not being selected for the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, and it's one of those things where if you look back on it, this is probably the last thing that Lindsey Graham and uh, Mitch McConnell did that served the Republican Party well, uh, was blocking that at the Senate level from ever happening because just based on some of the things that we've seen in a little bit more than 10 months, it's been quite a disaster. So he has Imagine a lot. Imagine of- where we would be if he was on sitting on the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How, how terrifying would that be? In addition to weaponizing the DOJ and the FBI in regards to parents and meetings, the January 6th political prisoners, and even with subpoena power of the January 6th uh, committee, which we'll all cover now as we're heading into it, um, before the meetings, well, right as the meeting started, they kind of read the rules and got everybody on the same page. But when Jerry the Penguin Nadler and Jim Jordan seem to get together, uh, they like to get into a little bit of a tussy. So let's check out just how things were going to start uh, from the beginning, kind of get a tone for this. Ruling has been made. There's been an objection. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to speak regarding. No, you're, that, that's out of order. This is not debatable. Well, what's out of order is there is no rule that requires a 48-hour notice. That's what's out of order. There is such a rule. There is not. Not in our rules. Mr. Chairman, what are you afraid of? There is such a rule. You objected last year. You were told there was such a rule. Mr. Chairman, what are our colleagues on the other side of the aisle afraid of? Are they afraid of videos of parents? The gentleman was recognized for his opening statement. He finished with his opening statement. I'm not finished with my opening statement. recognition for a It's not a rule. It's it's uh, what you said. I think the term you used is it's protocol. The gentlewoman objected. The uh, conduct of the committee. Rules do. That's not a rule. We had a video. We understood you had a video. I seek recognition for a parliamentary inquiry. Gentlewoman objected because you failed to follow the rule. Her objection is sustained. Mr. Chairman, I seek. Does the gentleman have anything else? I seek. We had a recognition had, for a parliamentary we had, inquiry. We had. Yeah, but, uh, it's, uh, I'll yield back in just a second, and, and particularly if you're going to recognize me. No, I haven't yielded back yet. I said I will in a second. Um, it's a video about parents at school board meetings, huh. moms and dads speaking at school board meetings, and you guys aren't going to let us play it? Huh. The, it will not be played. An objection has been heard that uh, you failed to give the 48 hours request required by the rule, and therefore what, what rule? Mr. Chairman, what rule? You have to say Parliamentary inquiry, what rule? Please present the rule. In the case of audio-visual materials under the leadership of my predecessor, Chairman Goodlatte, Republican, the committee developed a written protocol for managing the use of audio-visual materials in our hearings. This protocol simply requires members to provide 48 hours notice they are going to use audio-visual materials. Until recently, this this protocol was not controversial. It was a helpful tool we used to manage hearings and make sure videos played properly. The gentlewoman has objected to the materials because the gentleman did not provide the agreed upon 48 hours notice. Playing audiovisual materials during a committee hearing is the equivalent of introducing printed materials into the hearing record. In the normal- so that's kind of the tone that they set on what kind of a 
committee hearing it was going to be. And the whole fact of the matter was is that they were making such a big stink. Like it's breaking news or, or blindsiding someone who's supposed to be the top cop in the, in the United States, Merrick mm. Garland, by showing him people at school board meetings being ushered out, bullied, or even arrested for raising yeah. concerns about explicit sexual nature of curriculum being taught to their children or critical race theory. And it's like another form of censorship, really, when you think about it. Yes, and the, and the National School Board Association has had to apologize for backroom collaboration with the Department of Justice in regards to the whole FBI thing, and they did so on Friday. They issued a national statement because they've seen a lot of schools bailing out of their union and the NTEA as well, uh, pushing back on, on, on some of these things because, like, like we always say, an overwhelming majority of everywhere doesn't believe in this shit. Yeah. Doesn't want it in their schools and doesn't want their children taught it. And, uh, you know, it's only after some of these issues have made national news that we're seeing now more and more parents standing up to it. Because, like we said, in regards to the information, you know, Marissa was giving us just at the beginning of the show, you might live somewhere and this stuff is happening in your schools to your children under different code names or pronouns and not even know it. It's very true. I mean, it, everything is happening underneath our noses. And I think they're, they're taking advantage of it, especially the people in the red states, because we don't think that it's happening. Yeah, it's very so true. It's probably, it probably makes us more vulnerable than anything, if you think about it. Yeah, it is. And it has to be a concern for everybody that's involved, and most especially the parents. I like his mm-hmm. little... Uh, well, this this rule was introduced by my predecessor, uh, Republican, uh, who voted for impeachment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, you guys know about Nadler and him pushing for the Weather and Underground members to be released by Clinton. Yep. Back in like the nineties. Yeah. Nadler's he's not good news. He never was. Donald Trump and Jerry Nadler have a very public, detailed history dating back all the way from the nineties and the refacing of the waterfront district there and how Donald Trump was denied via Nadler after he won a local election, after somebody bailed out the day before election day, he was kind oh, of how a- convenient. Yeah. Jerry Nadler was basically like uh, a shorter, fatter version of AOC. And that template has repeated itself in her. She did no campaigning. She was basically an actress. She went into a district where there was like 400 people and they probably collected 300 ballots from an old folks home. And got her over the finish line, <laughs> and she'll be able to. Sounds about right. Yeah, so so he was that version back in the day, and he wound up winning that election by fifteen votes. Wow! And from that seat, he's been able to get into the House of Representatives and stay there since then. But Donald Trump wanted to do a complete restoration of the uh, other side of the harbor in New York City in, in the early nineties, and Jerry Nadler. The only way he would approve it in his district if he incorporated low income living into a Trump project. And Donald Trump was like, hell no. Why would you do that? You're, you're trying to do the opposite of that by you're trying to beautify this area. Right. Not, <laughs> not, not make a bunch of slums. Yeah. So yeah. that never wound up working out for them. Uh, shortly after what we just heard, Jim Jordan opened up with brief opening statement referencing now soon to be not public statues. Mr. Thomas Jefferson. Let's hear his, uh, the ending of his brief opening statement. Jefferson said once, tyranny is when the people fear the government. We're there. Sadly, we are there. But I don't think, I don't think the good people 
I don't think the good people of this great country are going to cower and hide. I think your memo, Mr. Attorney General, was the last straw. I think it was the catalyst for a great awakening that is just getting started. Mm. Pilots at great Southwest awakening. Airlines, the Chicago Police Union, parents at school board meetings, Americans are pushing back because Americans value freedom. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Terry McAuliffe said this, I don't think parents should be telling schools what to teach. When government tells parents we're smarter than you, Americans aren't going to tolerate it. When the Attorney General of the United States sets up a snitch line on parents, yep. Americans aren't going to tolerate it. I think they're going to stand up to this accelerated march to communism that we now see. America's going to fight the good fight. They're going to finish the course. They're going to keep the faith because Americans value freedom. That was kind of a redirecting the early rounds jabs between him and the Penguin, I think. Um, what do you guys think about Kind of related, but not necessarily related. The, the news last week of the Thomas Jefferson statues being removed from, Honestly, from government properties. The, the replace them trying to tear down our statues is no different than what happened in all of these other countries when they would destroy civilizations. Or, you know, it's just, I can't understand how people don't see what's happening in our country is an attack on our country. Yes. When you, when you whitewash stuff and tear down statues to paint a new picture, you're erasing you history. Need to be, you need to be scared. For sure. I, I mean, this isn't, this is a pretty serious culture war that we're fighting right now. And, you know, they're ushering in some really scary stuff with that. Yeah, they certainly I, are. And, and on that note, that was the point of the hearings where the festivities began and they were really able to go. And uh, I mean, there's, there's audios of Democrat representatives kissing his ass, telling him great job and talking about all the stuff he's doing. Well, they always do that. Talking about how white nationalism is the key root of all the problems in the United States. However, we're not going <laughs> to play any of that shit. Um, we're going to start off with uh, Burgess Owens um, talking about what Jim Jordan just piggybacked him into going after parents who are speaking out against critical race theory and things otherwise. Let's hear what he had to say in his opening statements to the Attorney General. Uh, we can all agree that true threats and violence at school board meetings are inexcusable. Attorney General Garland, do you agree with the National School Board Association that parents who attend school board meetings and speak passionately against the inclusion of divisive programs like critical race theory should be characterized as domestic terrorists? I do not believe that uh, parents who testify, uh, and schools should be classified as domestic terrorists or any kind of criminals. Hmm. Uh, parents have been complaining about the education of their children and about uh, school boards since there were such things as school boards and public education. This is totally protected by the First Amendment. And a definite... If you guys all heard it, non-answer. He basically yeah. reread him his question back to him. Yeah. And then threw in First Amendment at the end to make allow it, me oh, to, oh, it must be protected. Allow me to answer your question with my question, which is actually your question. <laughs> Seriously. 
I mean, that's that's what I hate about watching these Senate hearings is that they never answer the questions or they jump off, oh, well, this is an open investigation, so we can't speak to it. That's their favorite go-to. I mean, they did that throughout the whole Russia probe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very infuriating to watch like the Blinken testimony. That was that was really, really hard for me to watch. It was but, embarrassing. I mean, it's there's yeah, just so no bad. accountability for any of these guys. Now you have some 90-pound jerk off who used to literally lick Susan Rice's ass the entire time that she <laughs> that she was in her position, get her position and do worse at it. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, Yep. What's so scary to me is that they have Christine, Kristen Clark yeah. and Vinita Gupta right under Merrick Garland. Yep. And if you have you guys read the the Crimson, the Harvard Crimson article that she came out with when she was in school there? That, no. Is is that where she um, Yeah, I, I have. Why don't you tell us about it? We talked about it briefly on a show not too long ago when I was um, when I was talking well, about some of the confirmation hearings and, and she was up. Yeah, she, it was basically like there were articles where it, she was hosting uh, writers that said that African Americans were the superior race yep. than Caucasians and that, you know, and, and just very, very visceral race, racially charged articles. And, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't think that people that have those types of beliefs should be in the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's very visceral and it's, you know, we need to get away from this talking about identity politics and race and all of that. Like we were all created equal and they just keep on pushing this identity stuff and labeling. And it's just, it's, it's a toxic cancer to our culture and to the children and to everyone that's involved in it. I mean, I, I never thought that our country was going to get to this point as quickly as it did. Well, you know, every day, every day I wake up and I'm just like, how did we get here? You could literally thank Obama for that one because ever since those, you know, incidents with uh, the, the two incidents that happened in 2016 and 2017, where this whole go back against the narrative, go back, uh, you know, defund the police and, and all police are bad. And, you know, you, you're talking about the one person who probably could have literally been the great uniter, yeah. re- regardless of his policies. When it came to civil issues, right. he, he could have put stuff aside and, and made this country better. But instead, he continued to carry out the 2030 agenda. And this is where we're at because of it. Yeah. So. Uh, Unfortunately, you're right. I mean, but this this is this continuation of the presidency is no different than what happened. They were planning on politicizing, they were politicizing the DOJ back in Obama years. You know, Eric Holder, the stuff that he did when he targeted conservatives using the the IRS and all of that. I mean, this is, this is just a continuation of it. And he's another person running the government behind the scenes right now with people like John Kerry, Susan Rice, Hillary Clinton, and that whole gang. You got Clapper, Brennan, and Comey as well, coming and going from the White House and always staying up either in the Hamptons or Delaware, wherever Biden's staying on the weekend. They're not vacationing there all the time uh, just because they feel like it. It's because they're getting into his ear, into his assistant's ear, and making sure that the stuff that that they want as a continuation of the Obama presidency to be happening now. Yep. 
Yep, that's true. It's very, very true. And I mean, we see it every day, but right now it's basically on steroids. Honestly, it really, I mean, you know, it's just, it's gone from zero to 60 so quickly that, you know, I don't know what it's going to take for us to, you know, turn the lever and change course. Well, I think one of the things that is, is kind of regulating big tech, one of the next clips we're going to listen to is from Andy Biggs. You know, he's always firing these hearings uh, and he doesn't care either. Um, he wants to know about what's going on with big tech buying our elections uh, with Fauci lying under oath, um, the border and what's going on with China. So, so let's kind of hear how they kind of segue down before we get to the, to the really, really good ones, the, the Gomers and the Masseys. But, but let's hear Andy Biggs first. On May 24, 2021, under oath before a congressional committee, Dr. Anthony Fauci denied the National Institute of Health uh, provided any funding for gain-of-function research, saying, quote, hmm. that categorically was not done, close quote. Today, this very day, the NIH issued a statement contradicting that testimony, which suggests that Dr. Fauci may have committed perjury. This is a criminal offense, and I'm left to wonder if you intend to look into that and send a communication such as a letter or a memo similar to the October 4th memo that you issued regarding parents going to school board meetings uh, to investigate Dr. Fauci's potential perjury. Again, I'll refer to the long-standing yeah. departmental yeah. norm that we don't comment about investigations pending or unpending. Um, the, the, the general uh, point that you're making normally comes would, would come with a referral uh, from the relevant committee. Uh, um, but other so the, that, the point I'm the actual point I'm making is you chose as a response to a letter from uh, the National uh, School Board Association and, as you said earlier today, uh, news- newspaper accounts, to issue a memorandum to organize task force and investigate and put a chill on parents' participation before school boards. Now, you say, oh, I didn't mean to pr- provide a chill, but that's exactly what any sentient being would have assumed would happen. When you ask the federal government to begin looking into this, of course parents are going to be nervous now. Of course people will step back. That's the purpose of my questioning. So when we get to these things like Zuckerberg, Mm. Facebook, Mm. uh, Kamala Harris, Mm. we get to uh, Dr. Fauci's purported perjury. There's no indication. You You didn't hold back. You issued a press release. (laughs) Do <laughs> you see the distinction? How about this one? Since January 20 of 2021, Border Patrol has encountered more than 1.3 million aliens at the southwest border trying to illegally enter the country. It's a lot more. You yourself have acknowledged today that that remains a crime. Have you sent a letter or issued a memorandum to U.S. attorneys directing prosecution <laughs> of these cases? No, and the reference of cases comes from the Department of Homeland Security, as I mentioned before. Look, you you managed to issue a memorandum about parents showing up at school boards. Why can't you issue a memorandum regarding the million-plus people who illegally enter the country and encouraging your U.S. attorneys 
to prosecute those cases. They are there constantly. Time of the member, the time of the gentleman has. Oh, shut up. Shut up. You know, and it's one of those things, too. I don't know if you ladies caught it. I saw Noah's eyebrows go up, so I know he heard it. Merrick Garland said that he issued that memorandum in regards to the parents of the school board meetings off of things he heard on the news and read in the paper. Mm. So, yeah. so the top cop in the United States is no, issuing is issuing federal Next. memos to weaponize the FBI, FBI off of what he saw on the news and read in the newspapers. FBI. Ridiculous. It's it's shocking, really. Like, I mean, for them, it, it's no different. Like, what they do, like, Veronica Escobar cited the Texas Tribune, who, which is funded by Bill Gates himself. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's like, where where's their intel coming from? Is it the news or the actual intelligence department? That's what's so shocking to me. Like, for them to cite that. You yeah, know, it's, no. it's really mind-blowing. It certainly is. And, and that's when we kind of got into it. Um, I think one of the biggest things in addition to the stuff that's going on with Merrick Garland's family, the stuff that's going on with the weaponization of the FBI via the DOJ, is the January 6th stuff. You have two sides to that, the political prisoners, and then you have the committee. Um, mm-hmm. Someone else who doesn't pull punches, Louis Gohmert, went right after Andy Biggs. And it was kind He's of. He's from my great state. Right. I and love it, Louis. It, it's, it's like, I love him. It, it was like the one two punch that they usually provide, uh, followed right up on that. And uh, ha- had an interesting question for the Attorney General. I, I hope you guys have heard it already, but if not, here it is. Has any defendant involved in the January 6th events been charged with insurrection? I, I don't believe so. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Well, that is the word most used by Democrats here on Capitol Hill by January 6th, but no one has been charged with it that we could find either. And there you have it. So, I mean, I'm not a why do they lawyer, keep on but it? it sounds like that's not an insurrection then. Oh, even more than why do they keep on saying it? Why are people still locked up? Yeah, why are they still in jail wait, for, wait. for misdemeanors? I have a question. Could the prisoners... Be able? Are they able to sue all of the um, politicians that keep on saying that it's an insurrection? Defamatory. For yeah, isn't oh. that defamation of character? Oh, the government's going to be paying a lot of money to these people when they finally get out of there. Because I heard. Uh, oh, for sure. I heard about uh, you know the marshals doing an internal investigation into that prison and the living conditions and the treatment conditions. And as of last week, they were not very, like it's an actual gulag. Yeah. It, they, they weren't very impressed with their initial findings. Really? Do they say any, do they give any more detail? Cause I, I heard about that, but I didn't know if they, and no, before. because it is an ongoing investigation. Okay. Yeah. Cause I heard, um, forgot where I heard it, but one of the prisoners had like a broken wrist or an arm they're getting they're getting beat up. It's just what, didn't one of them lose their eyesight because he was punched in the eye. Yes, oh, wow. that well, that's what's reported. Yeah, that's something I heard. Like, how does that fly? Like this? I mean, isn't this like a like a high visibility like area where they're being? No, because not even our elected officials are allowed access to the jail. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no. I, I guess remember that was a rhetorical question. Marjorie and um, Gates. Yeah, yeah, they all went over there and they wouldn't allow them in, citing COVID, right? S- yeah, staying on the same narrative. Good old COVID. And, and probably, yeah. oh, it's funny, we've heard Jim Jordan, 
uh, Burgess Owens, Andy Biggs, Louis Gomer, and we have not got to the most fire one of the day yet, and it was one of our favorites from the show, Tom Massey. Oh, he definitely got sassy. Who? Yeah, he, he sure was living up to his name, <laughs> trying to figure out uh, what exactly is going on here. Um, with the weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI, connecting it all to January 6th and making this whole thing that we're covering right now seem like it's all connected. Imagine that. Sassy Massey. Mm. He sure was. Let's, let's, let's hear what he had to say, even when he squeezed in some illegal audio. Concerned that there were agents of the government or assets of the government present on January 5th mm. and January 6th uh, during the protests. And uh, I've got some pictures that I want to show you. If the uh, my staff could bring those to you. Jerry now uh, like, how dare you? I'm going to put it out there. I'm probably going to go to jail. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. I'm afraid I can't see that at all. Shut the fuck up. People calling him a fed. Uh, is that a uh, approved video? Is that an approved video? Yeah. yeah. It was at that point that Jerry Nadler shared. All right, you have, you have those images there, and they're captioned. Uh, they were from January 5th and January 6th. Hmm. As far as we can determine, the individual who was saying he'll probably go to jail, he'll probably be arrested, but he wants every, but they need to go into the Capitol the next day, is then the next day directing people to the Capitol. And as far as we can find, this individual has not been charged with anything. You said this is one of the most sweeping investigations in Ever. history. They uh, missed one. Have you seen that video or those frames from that video? You missed that glowy? So as I... Um, uh, said at the outset, uh, one of the norms of the Justice Department is to not comment on uh, impending investigations, oh God. particularly not to comment about uh, particular scenes uh, or particular I, I individuals. I okay, I was hoping today to give you an opportunity to put to rest the concerns that people have that there were federal agents or assets of the federal government present on January 5th and January 6th. Can you tell us, without talking about particular incidents or particular videos, how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 6th, whether they agitated to go into the Capitol, and if any of them did? So I'm not going to violate this norm of, uh, of, of uh, the rule of law. I'm not going to comment on an investigation that's ongoing. Mm. Honestly, how long do the, does this investigate? investigation need to go because people forget no about one it. has been charged with insurrection all they've been charged with is trespassing so how how long are they going to milk this investigation for as long as they need to until the next big thing comes where they for can the next sweep it under years, yeah i mean they can't well you saw the russia probe which, which went right into the uh ukraine probe or as we I like mean, to call them true, in, but it's impeachment just, volumes they, one they and have, two there's men in jail right yeah. now yeah and sure women, is. and they're apparently they're re-educating them too. Mm, sounds yeah, so great. Well, don't worry, we'll find out who they are, and we'll get them on steak for breakfast as soon as they come out. Well, <laughs> yeah. they probably lost everything they own too, because yeah. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but like, re regardless of if my family's well off or not, which they're not, 
they're not going to pay for you to live somewhere they're not for gonna, 10 months. They're not going to pay my rent while I'm gone. They're not going to be able to store all my shit. Like, And unlike most members of Antifa and Black Lives Matters, they don't live in their parents' basement and get Hot Pockets every time they come home from a good day of complaining about how Donald Trump is so bad. Mm, hot Pockets. <laughs> and then a lot of Seriously. these people have children and, you know, they're married with yep. family. And it's, it's so sad. But as was the case with most of these hearings. Who's homeschooling their children right now? I'm going to be soon. Wasn't... Wasn't one of the uh, political prisoners pregnant? Was she? I don't I know. Believe so, and wow. they they went and arrested her. I'd have to find the story, but I mean, will she be a yeah. citizen of that jail if she has a baby? Well, here's the thing: <laughs> as like most of these committee hearings going, and have gone since the start of the administration, they usually turn into one thing by the end because of all the stuff that they shut us down on social media for for being domestic terrorists and saying it's false information turns out to be true. A dunk contest. And there was no way to put the icing on the cake of this one more than Ken Buck's rebuttal to the Hunter Biden art dealings, which is kind of how they... Yeah, that's how they brought it home. Wait, you misspelled money laundering. It was was (laughs) Michael Jordan between the legs, reverse dunk, tongue out, the iconic poster. Yeah, talking about... did you guys see when he schooled Jerry Nadler too? Yeah, it was quite impressive. <laughs> let's hear what he had I mean, to say. It's not let's, that impressive. Let's, let's, let's hear about those Monets. Read any of the words. In general, I'd like to direct your attention to the easel behind me. Easel. Uh, the first painting is a Claude Monet. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't, I can't read any of the words. Uh, you don't need to. Okay. You just need to look at this great painting right here. It's a very beautiful painting. It is beautiful, and uh, it is listed <laughs> oh at Christie's for $700,000. Uh, wow. Now, Claude Monet was uh, the founder of the Impressionist uh, movement, something I didn't know until I researched it. Um, the second painting is a Degas. Hmm. It, uh, another world-renowned artist, and this painting sold for $500,000. Wow. The third painting, you may recognize this name, is a Hunter Biden. <laughs> I, I, don't, painting, I don't recognize the painting. The Hunter Biden <laughs> painting sold for $500,000 also. Now, you may think that's such an exclusive, um, that, that when Hunter Biden is in such exclusive company, that he would have a background, pissed, you know, artistic training, for example. <laughs> um, but you would be wrong if you thought that. And you might think that he had some sort of apprenticeship with a world-renowned artist, but you would be wrong again if you thought that. Or perhaps that he has been selling his works for years, and again, unfortunately, you would be wrong. It turns out that in 2019, Hunter Biden couldn't find a gallery to list his art. And what happened in 2020 that changed all that? His dad became president of the United States. Oh, wow. Or now he? a single piece of art from Hunter Biden sells for more than the average American home. This art arrangement is so suspicious that the Obama administration ethics czar, Walter Schaub, tweeted on July 10th of this year, Hunter Biden should cancel this art sale because he knows the prices are based on his dad's job. Shame on POTUS if he doesn't ask Hunter to stop. By the way, Mr. Attorney General, this is the same Hunter Biden who's being investigated by your department and the IRS for tax fraud. Imagine that. Oops. Selling fakes or selling or having a fake skill set is nothing new to Hunter Biden. When his dad was vice president, Hunter Biden received $50,000 a month from a Ukrainian oligarch to sit on a board of an energy company. It's a dunk fest right now. What was Hunter Biden's background in energy? Crack. Nada. And there you have Doing it. Doing crack? 
and getting a lot of energy. And did the gallery also get a whole bunch of PPP loans from should, the Biden administration? Are you talking about the gallery that has two employees and received seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in loans? Mm. Wow. That is correct. Well, there you go. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Well, they're probably hmm. very high pay, highly Kinda paid like employees. Kind of like Newsom's winery, right? Exactly, which still to this day has not closed. And to this day, his daughter is still not vaccinated. What? Mm. Yes. Yeah. And, and she's a tween. Shame, shame, shame. Shame, shame, shame. Did he, did he give an excuse as to why? Because oh, what, what He it? laughed when they asked him. He, he laughed. She really? hadn't yeah. even no. He was a Kamala playbook. She hadn't even had her other vaccination. No, th- that I, she was supposed to get. Newsom's an anti-vaxer. <laughs> yeah, Newsom. It, it's turning out well. I I believe it's his wife, but yes, his daughter has not received any immunity. Any? No, because they go to that forty thousand dollars a year private school. But you don't have to have mm. shots well, to go to that. Well, it depends on how much more money you get to go to the school. Other Ooh. vaccines. That's why. Yeah. So, Marissa, as we're wrapping up, <laughs> which is like, which doesn't help his argument at not all. At all. <laughs> If anything, it's worse. 100%. It's it's remarkable how brazen these criminals are. I mean, it's it's no longer in the shadows what they're doing. It's just right in bright daylight. It's it really is remarkable. The insider trading, the PPP loans, uh, the vaccines, the Facebook stuff. The list goes on. Well, they're they're going with the the playbook that they've been using for centuries on how to like skew everything but now with the advent of the internet and everybody having shows like this shows like this and any and all information at the tip of their fingers no matter what where you know sitting on the bus sitting on the toilet you can look shit up like literally literally (laughs) put some shit down on paper um it just makes it so they're still doing the same gig but they're they're trying to find new ways to get away with it which isn't going well apparently Well, yeah. it's the same playbook, but it's just blatantly obvious now yeah. what's yeah. happening. Um, you know, it's like with Commissioner Rodney Ellis here, he bought over $155,000 worth of Johnson & Johnson stocks on April 22nd, <gasps> the day the day before it became approved for the COVID vaccine. Wow, right? good for him. And then, yeah, yeah. But did you guys know that he he uses his campaign money for that. Yeah. Like the donations. Yeah. So he built up his war chest by using campaign donations, but his bets on the stock market aren't always good, but this one was very, very good. It was almost like he had inside knowledge. Yeah, it's like a military TSP, but he's using taxpayer money for it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, and especially with like the African artwork that he has in one of our store in one of the city's storage units. It's so African too. Um, what? It's so very African. Well, the interesting story about it was that he was busted for this a year and a half ago. Um, he he had the, he, they had him on video giving people tours of this artwork. And he claims that he has no idea who the owner was of this artwork. He uh, but he used a hun- over one hundred thousand dollars worth of taxpayers money to outfit this storage unit. And, you know, it's been in the artwork is still sitting there and it's been a year and a half. No one's indicted him. He's still sitting in a commissioner's chair, even though he has committed blatant crimes. And, you know, I mean, it's really quite astonishing. And we and he he only stated that he owned 14 pieces of this artwork. If you go into his office, 
there's at least 14 pieces of artwork, African artwork on his wall. If you pass by his house, there's African artwork everywhere. I mean, it's, it's shocking, really, when you think about it. What's his obsession with African artwork? Stop it. I think think artwork is, artwork is a really good way to hide money, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sure is. Because so, all the yeah. prices are up for debate, so you never know how much is getting washed behind the scenes. Exactly. And now, to add insult to injury, he is creating a museum with our taxpaying dollars for the African artwork. Oh, God. And just recently, he posted a photo of himself with a biking shirt saying African artwork with pictures of the African artwork everywhere. It's like he's trolling us. He really is. Yeah. That's right. Their day will come. So he spent a bunch of money outfitting a storage unit to make it into an art gallery. After he collaborated, or I'm sorry, uh, built up that (laughs) war chest with taxpayer-funded donations. Mm-hmm. To bet on the stock, mar- so stock from market. From his donors, yeah. Yep. Does Hunter Which Biden's crack dealer mm-hmm. live in the other one next door? Listen, it's the freest and <laughs> most fairest so. country, and, and it's freest and most secure country in the history of the world. Ugh. Don't worry about it. The history of countries. Well, I mean, like, if I would get on to the topic of what happened in the 2020 election here in Houston, you guys would be completely shocked. Um, you know, I doubt it. it. There's I'm... a lot of things that were happening with Rodney Ellis and this guy named Chris Hollins. They, so they, the county clerk left in May of 2020 citing health issues. And before she left, she had asked for $12 million for the election. Um, So June comes along and this 34 year old personal injury attorney by the name of Chris Hollins, all of a sudden gets elected as the interim county clerk. Um, Within two months, he had requested for $17 million for the election. And he moved the election office from the county, the city uh, offices into NRG Stadium, which is very, very strange to me. Why would they be moving something where, like where they're handling election materials into a football stadium like the security so they can shut it down and count votes in the middle of the night like they did in atlanta yeah yeah that's why they moved it there because it's a lot easier Mm -hmm. to not secure it and to be able to move dominion voting machines around in shopping carts and in the back of hatchbacks like we saw like like we saw in, in georgia as well but you know it 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 what i can't get over is how does someone that's only 34 years old be put in charge of our elections in Harris County that he had no, and like he had no prior background in any of this. So for them to just give someone a massive job like that with no background, that was a personal injury attorney. It's just, it's odd. It's very odd. And so when Chris came in, he basically reinvented our whole election process and they created this election administrator that, you know, her name's Isabel Longoria. She got voted in after Chris left uh, two weeks after our election. And, you know, we didn't vote for these people. They're all bureaucrats that were not elected by us. And, 
you know, I don't think that a lot of people in Houston realize what happened, but, you know, they're taking a lot of our rights away from us with these administrations that they're forming. And so far, Isabel Longoria has gone through about $20 million. And we've only had one election. We, we currently are dealing with our HISD election. And so far, we've received about 33,000 mail-in ballots within two days of the election starting, which is very, very strange because in last year's Democratic primary election over 11 day period, they got, they only received 22,000 votes. So uh, mail-in ballots. So there's something not right that's happening in the elections right now, which, you know, Chris Hollins did, he, he had mailed out over two and a half mail-in ballots in last year's election. And Ken Paxton stopped him from doing it mm -hmm, I remember because that. he said, and so basically Isabel Longoria has just picked up, up off from like what Chris Hollins did and ran with it. Well, and she won't, she won't take any questions from me. She won't return any of my calls. Um, and I know that there's a lot of people in Houston that are starting to ask questions about her and her, you know, what kind of background she had to be in charge of such an important process as elections. Yeah, all these people need to get together and start asking the same questions and uh, just be, yeah. you know, completely unstoppable. Just, I'm going to continue to ask these questions over and over and over and over. And that's yeah, what, that's I mean, you definitely have to put on the heat with these guys because if you don't stop, they're just going to keep going. Yeah, it's not going to stop. And that's why we're going to direct our listeners to you and to other influencers out there like Natalie, Denise. Marissa, before we cut with you right now, why don't you tell our listeners anywhere on social medias that you feel comfortable giving out so that people in the greater Houston area or beyond can get in touch with you and help you in Ask what you're doing questions. down there in Texas? Yeah, sure. So I've got two Instagram accounts. One is M underscore Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, -E 17. And then my, uh, my backup account is Snipe Snopes. I'm very, very shadow banned. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Marissa Hansen 17. And um, I follow Steak for, for Breakfast. So you, might, you guys might be able to find me in their friends list. I'm very active in the community. Very active with us in helping out with a lot of the scheduling uh, we got going on. We've teased for the last couple of shows now, you know, uh, Raheem Kassam coming on on November 2nd. And a lot of that went to you following up for us with him and locking yeah. it in for it. So we plan on having you back again. We thank you for coming on today. Thank and, you guys uh, for having me. Yeah, you It's take, always fun. <laughs> take care and keep doing a great job down there in Houston. All right. You guys take care and have a good day. Bye-bye. Jumping in with us now for the back half of the show. One of our favorite guests. Fan favorite. We all love her. I think this is what? Fifth time? I don't know. I don't think I should be the name my guest anymore. I'm just like a like you know like a cousin that comes by and eats your food and then just be like, hey yo, what are you doing? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Geisha Montez. She's back on Steak for Breakfast today for this Hello, Saturday everybody. edition. Hi. How you no, doing, dear? Like, you know, you know, like if I go right now back to California, mm. uh, you know, to where you guys are, I, I'm, you know, 
by now it's like i'm no longer you know cannot say like i'm i guess i'll go walk in you know open the fridge and say oh let me see what you guys have oh, that's like, perfect eat yeah snacks and then come back and you know i don't ask for where the bathroom is anymore kind of thing so, yeah. one of the family now yeah, yeah we're at that level <laughs> so, so come back to california then yeah come on come on come on cletus I know. what's going on with you what's news with me yes well, Ah, oh, man. Uh, so if you ever wonder what could possibly be worse than Australia, I present you Dominican Republic, everybody. Mm. It's so <laughs> fucked up right now. It's so fucked up. You want to go to a place where they will not let you in, in a supermarket where it's pretty much a basic need to have a meal? Dominican Republic, that's where you need to go. So, uh, and that's just like one of the many things that are so fucked up. They will not let you in a hospital. They will, you know, they will just walk around like Nazis. You will have all the people in the military asking you for the papers. And, and you know, I just fuck my life. That's my country. Coming really? soon to a place near you. Yeah. Well, it's getting, pre- it's getting pretty bad over here as well. Um, and we're going to talk about all that stuff. Remember, we still have not used our full Mr. Garrison yet. We're at the mm. halfway point of the show. Oof. But I'm just going to tell Noah, who's our sound guy, in addition to a lot of other things, co-host, editor, <laughs> extraordinaire, we do close with the Biden town hall. So you're going to have to save it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right now we're going to jump into the Bannon files. And we're going to start off by taking a poll. Do it every week. Is Steve Bannon Q? Me? Nope. Noah? Nah. Antoinette? Nope. Geisha? I, I'm not. No? No. I mean, we did have a former White House <laughs> staffer tell us that he wasn't Q last week, so I'm starting to believe it. Yeah. Um, so Steve Bannon is now up for possible violation of subpoena. Oops. Yes. And, and we're going to get into the details, but we are going to start off with a little panic. Our favorite evening male commentator, Randy Maddow. Ooh. <laughs> Had a little bit of a meltdown this week in regards oh, Randy. to all things Steve Bannon. Let's hear how she kind of uh, monologued about it on her show. Right-wing podcaster and a, effectively a Trump surrogate. He travels around the country promoting the myth that Joe Biden didn't really win the 2020 election. Mm. Former President Trump is going to somehow be reinstated. Mm. Steve Bannon has become like the, the my pillow guy, but without the pillows. I like it. It was less than a year ago that Trump pardoned him for the felony fraud charges he was facing for his role felony in a fake fraud. border wall fundraising scheme that appears to have separated lots of gullible Trump supporters from lots of their money. Prosecutors say that money just ended up going into the pockets of Steve Bannon and his co-defendants. All charges the were dropped. Co-defendants, interestingly, were not pardoned by Trump, and so the case against them continues. But Bannon no, got doesn't. off scot-free. Bannon has since decided to refuse to comply with a subpoena to appear before the committee investigating the January 6th attack. And subpoenas are not requests, right? They're not optional. They're mandatory things. But Bannon like has decided to defy the one that he received from Imagine the January that. 6th investigation. And um, tonight, the January 6th, the, the committee investigating the January 6th attack they just released a report tonight which recommends that Bannon should therefore be referred to the Justice Department for prosecution. Hmm. Now, the committee's going to formally vote tomorrow night to make that referral for prosecution. 
Then what will happen is that the Justice Department, specifically the U.S. Attorney for Washington, D.C., uh, will have to decide what to do about it. It has been nearly 40 years since a former government official has been prosecuted for a defying a subpoena like this. But hey, you never know. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Sounds like panic to me. That's what I said about her. It sounds like that gossip girl that just talks a lot of shit of everybody who's like wants to keep you away from. I'm sorry. They're so insecure. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't even go to one of those USA uh, schools, but I, I kind of like guy. That, that way, but uglier. Very. Can, can they even prosecute? I mean, is this even legal? Like Listen. This, this and all this. I don't think Bannon gives a shit. At least the four of us it. know they have gone through starting with Donald Trump. All of his family, Alex Jones, the other guy from InfoWars, Roger Stone, the leader of the Proud Boys. They've gone systematically down the list of everybody that they can try to blame for yeah. starting the insurrection on January 6th. And every single one's been a swing and a miss. This is yeah. going to go nowhere. This is another virtue single to take away from all the bad stuff that's going on with our actual non-functioning government right now. Yeah. So, And if you want to talk about non-functioning governments... Let's talk about wastes of money and how big this uh, vote and whole subpoena process is. Quick segue. Bannon is taking the War Room podcast on the road, and they'll be going to places like the southwest border uh, to Georgia, I believe Pennsylvania, and also Maricopa County. So I was thinking it might be a little bit of a strategy since subpoenas apparently are valid in all places except Maricopa County. Maybe when they issue the arrest warrants, he will be there, therefore, not available for arresting. <laughs> kind of works that way, right? I like it. Pencil Neck weighed in on, on the House floor the other day talking about Steve Bannon. And, and listen to how much of a waste of money this sounds like. Gentlemen's recognized for three minutes. Madam Speaker, we are here this afternoon to test a proposition as old as the country's founding. Are we a nation of laws? We are here because one man has decided that we are now only a nation of men and that rich and powerful men need not follow the law. And the question we must confront is nothing less than this. Is he right? Are some people now truly above the law, beholden to nothing and no one, free to ignore the law and without consequence? Congress is investigating the worst attack on our capital in over a century, made worse still by the fact it was carried out by our own people, people who had been misled to believe that their election had been stolen and that violence was now justified, people who are still being misled by a dangerous lie that may lead to even more bloodshed. <sighs> this is not some theoretical matter. We were here. We heard the doors breaking, the glass shattering, no. the cries from outside the chamber, no. and we saw the bloody results, the officers injured and those who died. And in the wake of the horrors of that day, a day in which the Capitol horrors. Police put their lives on the line to defend our democracy, it falls on us to defend that same democracy, albeit at far less voice. risk to ourselves. Shut the, fuck up. the founders intended that ambition should be made to check ambition. If we fail to uphold Congress's power to compel information, then we cease to be a co-equal branch of government, oh. unable to go. perform our oversight or check any abuses of executive power. Take away a court's power to subpoena witnesses, and it fails to be a court. Take away the Congress's ability to do the same, and it fails to be a Congress. 
becoming instead a mere plaything for a corrupt executive. Do not believe for one moment that if we fail to hold C. Bannon accountable, that he will be the exception. He will become the rule, not a rule of law, but the misrule of men. Either we are all equal before the law or none of us is. This is the essence of our democracy. And as Lincoln said, whatever Stop differs it. from this, to the extent of the difference, is no democracy. I mm. yield back. This is coming from the same guy that as, yield back. Right, as House Minority Leader led impeachments volume one and two, which Ooh. were completely bullshit and unfounded. Let's take a new poll. I just oh. thought of it while, while, listen, <laughs> while sitting through that voice. Adam Schiff, pedophile. Me? Yes. Noah? Yeah. Antoinette? A million percent. Geisha? Yeah. All right. We're two for two today. <laughs> wow. What a waste of taxpayer dollars. Making an example out of probably the last person on this list. There might be one more Jack Posobiec after him who, the, who would be right underneath Steve Bannon in regards to influencer wise uh wasn't a member of the last administration um but definitely one that's on nancy pelosi's margarita filled radar (laughs) margarita let's talk about that vote uh uh it happened and there were several republicans who went ahead and uh joined some of the usual names and uh it's really just disappointing to kind of see exactly what uh you know, the names that keep coming up over and over and over. There were nine in total. Imagine this. Liz Cheney. Mm. Kinzinger, who's no longer going to be in the House after the next election because they've redistricted him out of there. Mace, uh, Meher, Gonzalez, Upton, Katko, and Fitzpatrick. A lot of the names that might sound familiar from, again, we keep circling it back to it today, Impeachment Volume 1 and 2. So... I guess he is in contempt of his subpoena right now, and that was going into the weekend. We'll kind of see it from there. Uh, the double standard, I think, is huge. And not necessarily in regards to Steve Bannon himself, but uh, in more of like a general. Junior weighed in uh, on some of the things that he thinks. I-, I think you can kind of tell everybody's kind of getting sick of it from top to bottom. Um how bad this double standard is. Geisha, you weren't here for the part of it before, but they had a, a House Oversight Committee hearing with Merrick Garland the other day. Mm-hmm. And during that hearing, they talked about how Merrick Garland, or uh, Joe Biden's son, they compared his art to famous. Mon- Monet? Yeah, and, and Degas. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, uh, just on the pricing more than anything. Right. Definitely on the pricing. It's a nice way to launder money. Yeah, it sure is. And, and you know, they, they want to know why there aren't any congressional or House investigations, why the DOJ isn't issuing memos on, uh, you know, things like that instead of going after Steve Bannon, which we all know who had, had nothing to do with inciting an insurrection on January 6th. You can't go after your own team. Yeah, but at, at the end of the day, you're going to point out all the things that you're doing so much so. That it's going to get ugly. Um, let's hear Junior, who's sitting alongside the uh, lovely Miss Guilfoyle, talk about some of the double standard. 
of the corruption, the Biden family stuff that's now breaking. We sort of knew about it in theory, but now it's actually now it's out as a Senate, Senate report. Yeah, exposed. Uh, you, baby, what do you think would happen mm-hmm. if, I don't know, I was tied directly to Vladimir Putin with a $3.5 billion payment that's also linked to human trafficking and prostitution rings in Russia and Eastern Europe. Do you think that'd be news? Um, yeah, it'd be news. You'd also uh, be in jail. I'd be in jail. Right. I'd probably also be in trouble be with in you. Jail. Right? Very, very substantial. <laughs> very trouble. much trouble. Very, yeah, so that's one one revelation this week. Uh, that's Hunter Biden. Hmm. Uh, you know, we get to get lectured how these people are. They're such great people, the Bidens. Yes, tied to sex trafficking rings in Eastern Europe. And that's that's wonderful. Good people. And meanwhile, your father's taking down sex trafficking Correct. rings and child sex trafficking. Well, that's that's a good point. I mean, you know, Donald Trump and Ivanka, they were working on it. They literally permanently funded bar. the task forces now to attack sex trafficking and human trafficking to prevent that stuff from happening. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden's partaking on the opposite side of it, like a bastard he so is. $100 million from uh, thanks to the president, Ivanka, and Bill yeah. Barr putting this together to so stop it. You'd think it'd be news, though, though, if we, if we were doing these things. But when Hunter dies, it, it's no problem. A little bit of a double standard. Little? I mean. He, he brought up one of your favorite operations. I don't know if he... He was talking about Operation Talon. Mm. Yeah, that. Uh, wish that was still around. It'll be back. You think? I hope so. Yeah. The real reason is we all need to kind of agree. What do they want to pin on Steve Bannon? Anything. It, it just they just want a scapegoat for what happened. And, and that kind of for him though, yeah, definitely. They just they want to pin him for something. Yeah, and and he might not be the greatest guy, but. He's definitely uh, someone that has been a major influencer. He helped President Trump get over the finish line in 2016 for sure and helped get get some of those bad hires that he brought in out of there before he eventually stepped down. I just wonder at what what point they're just going to say it's not working anymore. Like, because they're going to keep witch hunting people over and over and over and and you know these these media outlets or whatever they keep losing audience more and more and more you i don't know if you saw recently cnn even lost even more like even when you think it's it's impossible to be more lame then they surprise <laughs> us with that results and and then also uh same thing with a lot of tv shows um and at some point people are just gonna be like you guys are just talking shit like you know they can say whatever about Steve Bannon at this point. It's like, you guys do this over and over every time. Same thing as like, whatever you say, there's always, they're always going to come back with like, oh, you're being offending. And like, oh, you're the bad guy. Not a, like the whole distraction thing with projecting is kind of getting a little bit tired. Yeah. How long um, until the crying wolf thing actually comes back around? Yeah, to It's yeah. just getting lame. So yeah, even the left is just like, I had enough. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, they, I mean, I think there's a lot of people on the left right now, especially at levels higher than the House of Representatives, that see this going down the same road as the uh, Russia collusion hoax and both impeachment trials. And they know it, and it's it's cresting at a really bad time because we're a week and a half away from November, which puts us at a calendar year away from the primaries. Mm-hmm. And you've got places where Democrats don't usually have to worry about, like Virginia, New Jersey, which is kind of like a double standard. Every time a Democratic president is voted into office, and I say that as loosely as possible, <laughs> six out of the last eight times a Republican governor has gotten elected after that. 
most recently Chris Christie, and I also say his name extremely loosely too, the Penguin Junior. Mm. Um, but we're going to segue away from Bannon and head into Noah's favorite segment, the never-ending COVID story. Oh God! But there, there is some good news this week. We we do have some breaking stuff that that's kind of putting more holes in the administration's uh, narrative on this. I do want to reiterate a big fact that we don't talk about enough on this show. No one is coming to help us in regards to the COVID stuff. I mean, it's laughable and we all kind of smile when I say it, but no one literally is. There are so many people in the House and Senate, governors all over the country that could have put an end to this a long time ago. People in the military who could have stood up for their agencies at the highest levels and pushed back on this and we're heading right into everybody getting fired season. And And now there's Delta Plus coming, everyone. So from the makers of Delta One, you, know, you are part of the problem. Package. Get ready. Christmas Eve. Mm. Yeah, if we're even if we're even allowed to Christmas this year again. All I want for Christmas is I don't know how I don't know how to Christmas anymore, man. You want to know what there's gonna be an extremely positive COVID segment still, if that can happen. First one we're going uh big dick Ron, DeSantis, everybody's Woo! favorite governor. <laughs> uh pushing back on on the whole narrative. He joined Tucky early in the week to talk about some of the things regarding COVID. And uh, let's hear what he had to say. Well, pretty much since the day Joe Biden got inaugurated, you've been hearing in the media every day that the state of Florida is a COVID hotspot. Virtually every person in the state has died of the coronavirus. <laughs> but suddenly you're not hearing that anymore. Why is that? Well, because the numbers are too stark to deny. In the last seven days, Florida has averaged few fewer COVID cases per capita than virtually any other state in the United States. It ranks 48 out of 50. Now the governor of the state, Ron DeSantis, has announced a special legislative session to ban COVID-19 related vaccine mandates, not just by the state, but by businesses throughout the state of Florida. The governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, joins us now. Mm. Governor, thanks so much for coming on. So if you would explain what this would mean and why you're doing it. Tucker, uh, over more than anything, this is an individual choice. Uh, Your livelihood should not be dependent on whether you get a COVID shot, much less in the future if these mandates take hold, whether you get your yearly booster or booster every six months or whatever they're going to make you do. Uh, This is a personal decision. Number two, what Biden's doing is unconstitutional, and we have a responsibility as a state to fight back against federal overreach. But then number three, this is not good for the economy. This is just bad policy. You have a lot of businesses that actually need people, particularly in health care. And what, you're going to give people walking papers in the middle of this? So I think it's bad all around. And I think that, yes, we're going to be doing litigation against the Biden administration, which is important. But we also need to do legislation to provide protections for folks in Florida. And I'll tell you, Tucker, yes, Biden's doing mandates. And I disagree with that. I think we all do. Uh, But there are businesses that are doing this on their own, even apart from the mandates. And these are employees of theirs that have been working throughout this whole pandemic. And now they're being told you get your walking papers. That is not a free choice. You know, Tucker, we had a nurse today at our event. She has already had COVID and she's pregnant right now. And so she says, I think this is something that I don't want to do. How is that something that you're going to deprive her of a right to make a living based on that very reasonable decision? Yeah, that's some trash. I mean, that w- everything that we're hearing that that would make sense that maybe you should hold off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how, how are they like pressuring pregnant women when there's no data that this shot is safe at all? 
like it's it's wild to me like well, when it comes to the like that you know um situation and, and kids i just don't get it just so, completely like, discounting people's pre-existing yeah. conditions that could be exacerbated by the shot like i happen to know somebody who has problems with blood clots right exactly and he and then just there are got forced get... to get the shot for work and i'm and worried about him that can't get vaccinations in general because they have like a genetic disorder for example mthfr i believe they're like already predisposed to getting you know being injured by getting a vaccine mm -hmm. in general let alone this COVID shot so it's bizarre uh, geisha what do you think about what ron DeSantis said well in my man my mental health has been the one that i had to work the most to just keep myself sane because it is so hard for me to be in a world where this is even something to discuss because yeah. it's incredible that people don't see like we're talking about if you already have a 99.9 percent .9 chance you're gonna survive who the fuck is the vaccine saving? Nobody. You already have 99.9%. You're not going to die. So, oh, that, and, okay, that's one thing. Okay, a lot of people are like, yeah, but the zero point whatever matters. Like, uh, just, just cannot believe that people are forced, whether to provide to their families or take something that they don't even guarantee something happens. Yeah, you're just done. You know, we're not going to cover it or anything. And then also on the same, on the same side, it's like, they're getting paid. Like a lot of the companies are getting rewarded yeah. per person that refuses it or like whatever. So it's, it's technically a, a moral problem. This is a moral um, plague right now where people have to choose whether to do things for the money or to do the thing that's right. How can you tell a mother that she is going to lose her job if she doesn't take something that it's proven that it's causing a lot of abortions. It's causing, you know, not only the blood clots and the paralysis and everything, but it's having serious effect on the children. And then, you know, and the baby when it's born, if it's born, because a lot of times it's spontaneous abortions, but then also uh, the baby will like, will be born with- Oh, like, like a miscarriage, you mean? Yeah, miscarriages or uh, um, it's also being born with sepsis or, you know, like an infection That's in the blood also. So, and, and then also if you see that uh, when they describe about the vaccine, they will say, well, it, it weakens the placenta. And then you're like, oh, no wonder why we're having so many miscarriages. It's like, where the hell the baby's gonna carry, you know, if it's just like, so it, there's so many things and, and just it's, it's a violation of your human rights. The moment um, anyone, whether it's a government or anything uh, is violating our rights. We cannot allow that to happen. If if they said it's because of an emergency, we cannot allow that anyway because that that means that they can create an emergency, as we've seen, you know, Dr. Fauci and company, how they've been doing the gain of function and all the play thing, and 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 just it is bizarre. It's just like the human rights are there for a reason. Do not let anyone um, break this because. That that means that we're no longer humans anymore. We have no rights, and a you know person with no rights is just a piece of shit for the government. So just yes. another number. I also, Ron. Go ahead. DeSantis. <laughs> Ron DeSantis. Uh, uh, who's you know. that? <laughs> Ron DeSantis. Um, you know, big. I'm not gonna say like big balls or anything, but uh, man, like I can't, can't believe that's the only governor that's talking like a normal person you yep. know about this issues yeah it's definitely uh I, I like it because you know there's governors who talk like him but not do the things that he does 
And he's yeah, he, he pretty much is. And it's interesting that Geisha just brought up the gain of function. We did not send her a show script today. She was a late fill-in, but the exact next audio that we're going to hear is breaking news. Uh, that was on, I first saw it on Newsmax. Rob Schmidt broke it, I believe. And newly revealed documents that show the NIH has confirmed that taxpayer dollars were used to fund gain-of-function research. Oops. Another yeah. waste of money. Exactly. Imagine that. All right, welcome back to Rob Schmidt tonight. And some breaking news tonight, the National Institutes of Health finally admitting that your tax dollars were, in fact, used to fund the very dangerous gain-of-function research Oof. that may very well have led to the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. We don't know the second part yet, but we now know the first. In a letter yeah. today to Congressman James Comer, the NIH admitting that EcoHealth Alliance, which is somebody that they were funding, sent money to the Wuhan lab that was indeed used by the Chinese researchers in Wuhan to do this very dangerous research, where they mm. try and basically make viruses even stronger uh, to be able to test them better, and they think they learned something from this. It's something that was deemed to be very, very, very dangerous, so much so that we were not allowed to fund that any longer as a country. We've banned that. It has been banned, I think, since 2014. But it continued to happen. Uh, we're seeing now that it's continued to happen. Do you remember how hard Senator Rand Paul slammed Fauci for this and how hard Fauci fought back denying it and saying that he was a liar. I mean, it just, do you remember those back and forths? Now, of course, we learn the NIH says that this happened. And of course, now they say there's no way, though. It, we may have done that, but there's no way this research actually created the COVID-19 virus. They're very, very, very confident of that. The same way they were very, very, very confident a month ago that they in no way funded this kind of research. So take it all with a grain of salt. This is an organization that is lying. But this is some seriously big news. We're going to chat about it with Mark Meadows coming up here in just a few minutes. But we wanted to bring you that breaking news uh, from today, a letter going to James Comer earlier today. I did not want to bring up Mark Meadows after that because mm. I don't necessarily <laughs> like him that much. Yeah, I don't like him that much either. So now that it's out that Fauci lied to Congress as well. Um, and irrefutable evidence too, right? Like, yeah. There's no, there's yeah, no there's dancing around right it. Again. Yeah. Yeah, the conspiracy theorists were right. Trump was right. One more for the conspiracy theory check. <laughs> yep. Yeah, somebody actually keeping score because I think we're doing pretty good. Yeah, we yeah. sure are. <laughs> pretty damn good. <laughs> People forget, you know, they forget once it's like true. They just forget that they ever told us that or called us that way. Uh, just, you know, just another way to say and, and jump to the next um, conspiracy theory and then just say it's just the conspiracy theory. It's like, do you guys ever learn? Do you learn what I just Happen. Yeah, and the newspaper buries a retraction like 17 pages deep in the sports section. Yeah. Well, I actually have a couple of friends that sent me screenshots of like their leftist friends uh -huh. apologizing to them and saying that they're so sorry for calling us crazy and, you know, that they are. foil hat wearing conspiracy and theorists. And also one of them is saying that they're leaving the Democrat Party and Aww. joining the Republican Party. Nice. Yeah, I was super shocked. Well, yeah, some... they have to eat their ego to do that because a lot of people just because their ego will not ever yeah. let them say that they were wrong. They yep. will rather take the eighth shot because, you know, <laughs> they wanted to take eight. Like, so, eight. We got, you know how we got the script before, right? We got the script of like how many they want. 
And there's people who, they're, if they're alive by the eighth, um, you know, they, they, they will take it just so they can say, yeah, whatever, I don't care. It's bullshit. You're a conspiracy theorist. You know, which is, it's just a lack yeah, of Those people are just going to double down on their denial to their, you know, for their own demise. It's not. Yeah, they're, they're, they're probably going to die, man. If you take the eighth, you, you're going to be gone by then. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> you know who else I didn't send a show script to this week was Rob Schmidt from Newsmax. However, um, he did mention, remember what Rand Paul did to Dr. Fauci a couple times up on Capitol Hill, including the last one where Dr. Fauci really pushed back. Now, Rand Paul was out of the office this week and outside the Beltway, uh, back dealing with some of his constituents in Louisiana. However, Fox News was able to pull him on for a segment just to rub his hands together and feel so smugly about how right he was <laughs> from the very beginning as the only senator uh, who went and really took him to task in regards to the gain-of-function research. Let's hear what he had to say. Rand Paul joins me now. Senator, thanks for jumping on the show with us tonight. Do you feel vindicated? Absolutely. Well, yeah, but it's not really about me. It's ultimately about the safety of the country and the world. You know, if 5 million people died from a virus that came out of a lab, wouldn't we want to know? Wouldn't we want to try to prevent this from happening again? You know, they've experimented with other viruses that are much more deadly. This, this virus has been very deadly, but it's got a 1% mortality. What if you had a virus that had a 15%? They're also experimenting with the MERS virus. This is a coronavirus from the early 2000s that had a 50% mortality. And here's what they say. They still, to this day, are trying to get around the truth. They say, well, it was unexpected that it gained function. Well, how do you know if it's unexpected or not? It's unknown. If you take a virus from a cave, you combine it with a virus that has a 50% mortality, it either is going to be more transmissible or less, but you don't know in advance whether it's going to be worse or better. So when it gains function, that is something that actually is expected. Some of these viruses are going to gain function, and then the possibility of leaking out, I think, is a horrific thing for mankind. But realize that Dr. Fauci has been steadfast in this. He said early on, even back to 2012, yep. that should a scientist catch one of these diseases and spread it as a pandemic, that the collective accumulation of science would be worth the deaths of the people who die. Wow. And that's the question right. people need to ask him. But nobody on the left will ask him, was it worth 5 million people dying? Do you think that moment, that clip that we played of that interaction, and you had numerous interactions with Dr. Fauci now, now with this information, do you think that was perjury? Was he lying to you under oath? Was he, is there anything for you to do now? Is there any accountability, Senator? It's not only me. Many, many scientists are coming forward who are experts in this area saying, yes, they've been funding gain of function. He's been parsing words. He's been sort of kind of going around the subject, and he never fully explains why it's not gain of function. But I think his explanation is this. Oh, it was inadvertent. We didn't know they were mm. going to gain function. Well, that's what a gain of function experiment is. You don't know when you combine two viruses if it'll be more deadly, but it might be if you have. Well, yeah, I mean, you're you're not going to get gain of function unless you're trying to get gain of function, <laughs> right? Like, why why else would you combine the two viruses together? Right, Let's just exactly. see what happens. That's the point. Yeah, it's, just, it's ridiculous. This is why I said before. Try to tell people um, that let's say right now this COVID, um, we know the mortality is not as as bad, but imagine if this other gain of function or, you know, would have been successfully, you know, 
yeah. escaped successfully, you know, the, yeah. the lab. And then now we were, let's say we are facing an even more lethal virus still won't give the government the like the it's you know the right to get rid of of our rights you know our freedom based on that because we don't know like like, we've seen now that this is something that they could could have done themselves we don't know what intentions were behind and um our freedom in 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 our you know our, our human rights our basic human rights is something that must stand as a priority of you know above anything um but yeah I mean, if we were in a legit pandemic, they, the government wouldn't have to force us to lock down or, you know, to take precautions or wear masks. Or yeah, people whatever. would be doing it because, like, They'd it be needs it to be street. done. Yeah, exactly. It's it's ridiculous. That kind of like made me. Uh, I rem- I remember the the video. You know that like super creepy video of Bill Gates saying like, and then the next pandemic, that one people are gonna, you know, yep. like he was yeah, them were smiling like too creepy you know, couple. Yeah, because this was like, um, a, like a test run. We're talking about the first virus and then there's going to be another one. It's like, uh, how do you know that there's another virus and it's going to be one that it will take everyone's attention as something bigger was coming? And that's why I say like, even if something bigger came and everyone was getting sick, still we shouldn't allow them to like get rid of one of our, our uh, human rights because we don't know if this is something that was <clears throat> quote unquote plot it right yeah no it certainly was uh last good piece and i I do think there's a lot of pushback in the segment and you've got ron DeSantis against the federal mandates breaking news about the nih Rand paul kind of putting it out there giving us a little bit of perspective on where congressionally at least they may be going to push for dr fauci to probably be fired if not prosecuted hopefully both Mm. involving shooting people yeah (laughs) right or public hangings (laughs) Right after our show on Tuesday, there was some leaked news from Jack Posobiec. Uh, he broke it on More Room and then talked about it on his pan, uh, podcast uh, about insider DOJ lawyers talking about how they're going to push back and reject religious exemptions for people um, mm-hmm. and, and how much of an effect that's going to have on everyone who's trying to get around especially at the federal levels, uh, using this as an excuse to not get the vaccine. It's a short clip, but you got to listen to how these lawyers are kind of scheming right now when they're reviewing these religious exemptions that are going in for uh, the coronavirus vaccine. Check this out. J. Lawyer had to say about religious exemptions when it comes to the issue of abortion. Cases. And for instance, in the New York case that's currently going on against the state of New York, Thomas More Society is representing a bunch of doctors and nurses who claim that they would sin gravely if they acted in cooperation with the evil of abortion. How would they be doing so? The claim is that all three of the current vaccines either have fetal cells that were that were obtained by abortions in the vaccine itself, or in the case of Pfizer and Moderna, that those vaccines were tested using fetal cells that had been aborted. And even the connection to the previous testing makes them cooperative with evil in a way that their religion prohibits. I don't want to say anything too categorical, but I believe that when this claim will be very difficult for agencies to 
successfully claim that that's either insincere or non-religious, even if it is, even if we know that many of those claims are not sincere or are sincere but not religious. This is the most common claim you're going to confront probably, and it's likely that the, you will have to take as a given mm. the employee's claim. Not always, right? One response that some hospitals have started to give is, well, do you know that Tylenol and Tums and Preparation H, those were all tested using aborted fetal cell lines too. And I expect that employees will then say, well, I didn't know that, but now that you tell me that, I'll stop using those products as well. And then, then we will turn to the, what, what does the government have to do once the employee makes that show? And here, basically, there is a compelling interest, obviously, in keeping our workforce and the public with which we interact safe from COVID. So Pretty scary. Pretty mm-hmm. scary. So basically, that's the ace in the hole. Yeah. Well, you've been using stuff with aborted fetal cells in it or stuff that's been tested using aborted fetal cells for decades. Yeah. This isn't going to um, kill you. Religious exemption, not accepted. Ridiculous. It, it's rough. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of people, they'll ask me to check them out for them. And, you know, it's like three, four paragraphs. And I see all these different scriptures that are quoted. And I just give it back to them. I said, this is not going to cut it at all. You're going to have to find you reasons, not scriptural reasons for you to really not do this you're, you're yeah, gonna... they don't respect scripture at all at so, all shit regarding that there's one thing i always wanted to if i could tell anyone especially like in new york city and california that have been going through this sort of medical tyranny for a while um i've, I've met people who who like their mentality is this is the way it has been for a while. This is the way it has been since I'm being in, like in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they will say I'm an American. It goes that way. It's like people need to understand that because someone has been doing immoral and wrong things in the past does not give them the right to keep doing it. Right. If you were not aware that these things were terribly wrong and you are now you can get up and say, I don't want this anymore. To give you just a simple example of, let's just say we go back in time and there's a king who just loves raping women because he's the king and that's how he governs his whatever place. And just that's the way it has been for them. And then they just give their daughters and their whatever. And it's been just raping like a motherfucker. At some point, they someone comes and is like, hey, you guys do this shit? Are you kidding? Like, this is wrong. No. And let's just, it's like, wait, this, this, it, it's hurting, of course. You know, it's hurting, but you just mentally, you're abused mentally in a way that you tolerate that. People can say, everyone say, I don't want this anymore. Why it has to be like this? And that's one of the things that I have the most problems as someone who was born and raised in a different country. I must tell you, in my country, we were never coerced, like, or forced into, vaccinating, for example, for education or for anything to get a job or et cetera, like here in the US. And I was not aware that that was happening until I moved to California. And then until I'm seeing it now here in New York. So it's like there's the people of race here, they, they're not even aware that this goes against their rights. And you were not aware before, now you are. Now you know that this is wrong. So don't just stay on cross because it happened in the past or because the president used to vaccinate the military before you cannot give them the right to do it now. Cause you know, that's how you can take 
a whole military down, just put him in a foreign, you know, something that we still figuring out what is in it. They don't even want to tell people into like the strongest military. It's just logical. I think but, that's the point though, why they are attacking our military too. They're trying to weaken the entire country in general, but our military specifically as well. My cousin left, he had to leave the military. Uh, he was training and, and he left because he didn't want to take the vaccine. Mm. He told me, I've seen people passing out in front of me. Wow. Like imagine, imagine you being told you have to take this at the same time, seeing how your, your colleagues who, you know, you have to be a strong person yep. you have yeah. to, be able to climb, to run. And, and these things, you know, how it accelerate your, your heartbeats and stuff. And, and we know that the vaccine is causing myocarditis yes. and heart attacks, especially in young, in young people or like young adults. Um, so of course he's going to see a couple of people passing out. And like imagine doctors and nurses who the nurses, the same nurses that are injecting the people. If they say, no, I don't want this thing. I've seen people passing out in front of me. How can you fire them for that? It's just this, this well, really how do, them? How, do you, how do you ignore like actual doctors and nurses that are refusing to take this? The people that were on the front lines this entire time. And Easy. they're the ones actually seeing, you know the the repercussions of taking this vaccine and then people just completely dismiss them it's easy yeah. they, they cancel and fire them that's what they mm -hmm. do they just cancel and fire them that's how they that's how they ignore yeah. them no, but we, like, we saw that guy the the guy from from uh the project veritas undercover yeah um guy he said you know they're making it really difficult for anybody who's a professional in the medical especially to stay there and not you know without the vaccine because of course it, it ruins their reputation uh -huh. so they want to get rid of them well that too but i'm saying like americans that are paying attention you know whether regardless of what side you're on um seeing that all these people that are protesting you know medical prof professionals and why are they ignoring that okay if a, if a doctor or nurse is saying no i won't take it like there's something up yeah. you know like hello think twice now about this vaccine and and all these boosters it's just like it's crazy though a lot of people are not rid of them and then they anymore. censor them so if they try to say something they just like take down their their account like nobody can even tag me anymore like what i'm not even a doctor did you imagine if i was a doctor oh, <laughs> God. you could be our doctor all right we're, we're rounding third now because COVID is something that we all hold near and dear in not the good way and, and we could talk about it all afternoon noah's poking his eye with the microphone because it's his favorite topic <laughs> and he just wants to end it all when we talk about too much COVID, we it, it was a it was for the more or less a positive first time in a while positive segment. It's more it's more painful just because it's affecting us us us. Sure is. Walmart's been really strict on uh, their COVID policies, and, and we're getting kind of nervous for it. Yeah. Uh, last segment, the Biden town hall. Let's do some poll numbers first. Rounding up into the weekend. Still hovering around between 36 and 38% approval rating across the board. I believe those numbers are a lot lower. Yep. Uh, between 28 and 30% now with independence. Every major pivotal thing going on in the world right now, Biden is underwater, except how he's dealing with COVID. And he finished Friday, Rasmussen reported 51%. So he's almost there. And he has the largest deficit in popularity points of any president I believe for the yeah the, three no I mean no World War right but yeah since World War Two, so his deficit has sank the greatest. You could even hear it in some of the news. I I did not expect this the other day, but I actually caught it because I had to watch the town hall for the show. Um, Don Lamont went in on Joe Biden. 
What? <laughs> Bigly and tore his ass apart about the narrative because, like we've been talking about all show, it's weird how these things, weaponizing the DOJ and the FBI, going after people like Steve Bannon, wasting times on wasting time and money on things like impeachment and the January 6th committee and this continuing COVID narrative with government money instead of real things that we should be working on right now. Let's listen to what uh, Don Lamont said while Cuomo's brother sat there in astonishment oh, as they passed the show off to each other the other day. I see his face. At the White House, when you are the leader of the Senate, when you are the leader of the House of you are the speaker. When you speak, we listen. When you, when you say, I'm going to ha- have a press conference, I'm inviting the media to do this, I'm going to actually go into um, the press room with Jen Psaki, I'm going to show up there sometimes and surprise people. They and Donald guess Trump. what? I'm going to pull the nation in with my, my narrative. I am going to get their attention. I'm going to make sure I have their attention. I'm going to tell them what is in the bill. I'm going to tell them what I'm selling that is going to help them and everybody in red America and everybody in blue America and all Americans. I'm not just going to sit back and expect the news media to do it for me because it's not our job to sell the narrative. It's our job to discuss what you are doing and, yes, part of what's in it. But it's not our job to sell your agenda for you. They are not selling their agenda. And the only reason that I am so enthusiastic about this is because our democracy is on the line. I don't want America to lose its democracy. I don't want America to be a country of minority rule. And I don't want America to be a place where black and brown people like me, whose ancestors fought and oh. died for the right to vote, Save are restricted that, Mr. from going to the voting booth. <laughs> that is the most un-American thing to do. So I have this platform that I have now, and I'm speaking very passionate about it. Mm. Democrats, get your butts in gear and get passionate about saving this damn country. Another You're not doing slammer. it. You're weak. You are weak. You are weak. That's it. Good night. Thank you and go. good night. Wow. Take it. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody with yeah, a yeah, I, look, My producer's saying he's doing a town hall tomorrow. Yeah, I get that. I know that. I had one with him. He's doing a town hall tomorrow. He, a town More. hall is not what you're talking about. Exactly. Oh, boy. They, they miss Donald Trump so much. Oh, oh wow. Oh, yeah. They, they miss him. He specifically said going out and meeting with the press pool after a speaking event, going into the White House press secretary room with Jen Psaki after she talks and following up with comments with the press. God, they miss him. They just want to say it so bad, but they can't. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Fredo well, tried he to... he was their fucking ratings. Yeah, Fredo tried to bring it back and was like, well, you know, he's, he's doing a town hall. He's like, yeah, I get it. I've done one with him. <laughs> Who cares? Nah. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I had to pause my television and go back and, and, and rewind it and listen. Because I'm hearing it, and then I look up, and I was like, oh, my God, this is not, this is not normal. He's shitting on Biden. Yeah. So it was, it was actually pretty good to hear that. And, and he started out that day with which ended with a town hall in D.C. dedicating the new Martin Luther King Memorial that they have there. I mean, the memorial itself is nice, and Martin Luther King was good. Just the way I saw some clips and the way that he did it. Yeah, it was was interesting to say the least on on some of the things he said while he was there. Um, And and, and we'll get to the most interesting one, but I want to play an actual clip of him. I don't know. I think he was calling all white people terrorists or racist or both again. Yeah, that's uh, what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah, while he was dedicating, let's listen to him incoherently try to get through this. So some seeming legitimate person 
breathes some oxygen under the rocks where they're hiding. Who? Huh? And gives us some breath. I've said it before. Oh, we must be talking about Hunter. And all my colleagues here know it. According to the United States intelligence community, domestic terrorism from white supremacists is the most lethal terrorist threat in the homeland. To that end, our administration is carrying out the first ever comprehensive effort to tackle the threat passed by domestic, posed by domestic terrorism, including white supremacy. We're Isn't doing so by taking action to reduce online radicalism and recruitment to violence. We're also disrupting networks that inspire violence and domestic terrorists by providing resources to communities to build resilience. Now, Geisha, you're the only non-white oh, nationalist right. here, technically. <laughs> um, Noah, myself, and Antoinette are all of European descent. However, you are... Uh, you, I'm half Spanish. Is that is that Europe or there you go? But you but you do Some Spanish is Europe. Yeah, you do come from the Dominican Republic. Now, you've been in America now for years, right? And you you've seen the culture. You've brought some of yours, but you've also enjoyed. So would some she of be ours. the uh, face of white supremacy? The brown face of white supremacy? She might be the Dominican <laughs> face of white supremacy. But no. But tell us, regardless of what your political views are, when you came to this country. As someone from the Dominican Republic, did you think, man, when I got here, oh my God, look at all the white nationalism everywhere that's that's really impeding me from coming to this country and enjoying oh, all no, the things? No, no, no. I'm still shocked that before I came here, I was just, yeah, you know, just geisha, you know, wandering around. Uh, then after a few, you know, uh, let's say I realized that I am in like a million categories based on the United States. Uh, like, you know, you get benefit for this, you're this or that, if you're in this country, if you're this, if you're like, um, they really make a point, like they want you to feel like really, really feel that you are in a different oppressed and, yeah. and like, like that, that the world owes you everything after you come here. And, you know, which is like, a, it's, it's just like a story they're creating that really just make you not in a way you just don't even want to hustle because um for some people yeah sorry for that no don't worry about it um uh no so it, i did i did i was able to see the differences between um being here and and you know and and like being born and raised in the dominican republic i also been you know i i, I went through stuff that were pretty bad with the you know in the, in the media and stuff because they 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 really use cancel culture yeah. to get things yeah. uh, and this is why it needs to stop because let's say i can go to india and then trying to find someone who doesn't know what's going on in the u.s and then just do something to them and then use it for my own career and say oh yeah i'm so this because they did that and and create a whole uh, narrative and it, i'm just really tired of the the large amounts of of divisions that it's so obvious here now now i remember when i came here it was only a small amount like lgbt or something and then now the the, the dictionary like i don't even know how far it went like <laughs> All yeah, of the sudden, loaded. all of the sudden, I don't even know. I don't even know how many are they. And then I've seen new flags and I'm like, wait, what's, is there, wait, 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 why there's a black flag? Is that necrophilia or something? Like, I don't even know. I swear. And I'm not trying to say like, like I, like oh. offensive because I know this stuff offends, you know, just, just opening your mouth in the U.S. will offend somebody. But I, I really don't even know what a lot of these things means because 
in such a short amount of time, there's so many. Yeah, how are you going to keep so track? Many different categories. Well, you could refer all of those questions to our newly uh, sworn in first female four star admiral, Randy. First God. fifty years of his life, Levine. Yeah. You gotta love it. It was sworn in the other day on not a Bible. Thing though, on a folder. No, not a Bible. A yeah, folder? I wonder what he swore in on. I say he. A folder. a folder. A folder. A folder. I wonder like what's a Manila in there. envelope. Our first four-star <laughs> female admiral. <laughs> oh, a female. Timbers. There you go. Um, let's get into the town hall. As oh. bad as advertised, Joe Biden shut down a few times. Had to get redirected back several more. Got angry at Anderson Cooper for reminding him of what they were talking about. That was brilliant. And then did the notorious Beavis and Butthead pose where he was kind of like locked in. I am yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about, well, it depends on what stage you're on. If you're talking to an American crowd. Are you threatening me? White nationalism is bad. But if you're talking to the international community, like the town hall, it's on CNN, it's broadcast internationally, you're going to talk about the other biggest killer in the world, climate change. Uh, buckle up, bucker. Who's climate change coming for you. The threat to humanity is climate change. I thought it was white nationalism. And when... President Trump pulled out of the Paris Accord, which when I was with the Obama administration, we helped negotiate. The agreement was that we could not, if we reached beyond 1.5 degrees Celsius increase in temperature, we're gone. Not a joke. Not a joke. And so we decided that he pulled out. First thing I committed to do is rejoin that accord. I've seen that before. Number two, number two, what you have to do is you look at there's multiple ways in which we can deal with climate. I'm going off to COP26 in Scotland, uh, and uh, in, I don't know, I guess it's two weeks or a week. I, I'm losing the track Trump of time. national golf course there. And, and I'm presenting a commitment to the world mm. that we will, in fact, get to net zero emissions on electric power by 2035 and net zero emissions across the board by 2050 or before. Barf. No, what are your feelings on net zero emissions? I don't see how that's even possible. It's are you sure? Possible. And it's... it doesn't matter if we do it, if they don't make China do it. Right. Or India. Or India or any of these other just gross polluting. It's like, you know, we live in Southern California, very far South California. Mm-hmm. And you, so, okay, so everybody that is driving a 1987 Buick has to comply with mm-hmm. everything and my 1987 Buick that lives in California has to have all these extra things done to it. But let's say that there's another 1987 Buick that came across the border from Mexico spewing black smoke and leaking oil on the ground. Gasp. Good to go. Yeah. Remember. So it doesn't matter what the fuck we do if nobody else does it. That's coming from the same person that said this eight hours earlier at that MLK dedication. I am not your president. True. Donald Trump is still your president. Wait, what? Yeah. He read the teleprompter backwards. So, huh? What? Yeah. How do you fuck that up? No, don't worry. He's telling us the truth. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Don't like worry. Somebody in the back's like, everything you put on the teleprompter, Biden will read. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody got like 
the oh, the office the that? office like, pool. What did he like? How did he lead into that? All right, what I'm joking. Yeah, you know, it, I know, right? Somebody like edited that. It was like a Christmas tree. You know no, what I mean? like whenever we feel like, oh man, shit's going down. I, I, I actually, terrible. I, I cut it. You have Biden he, saying uh, that because like, he was he, he was talking about if white nationalism wasn't to you the most important thing affecting this nation right now, semicolon. I am not your president. Oh. Donald Trump's still your president. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> but that's fine. We can get into some real stuff he mumbled through, like the filibuster. Let's let's hear what he said about that debate and then whether or not he wants to crush it. I get myself into, at this moment... Depends. ...the debate on the filibuster. My butt's been wiped. I lose at, three, at least three votes right now to get what I have to get done on the economic side of the equation, the foreign policy side of the equation. So, what I have said, you're shaking your head no, but let me tell you something, Jack, it's the truth. His own audience. Number one. Number two, number two, what I have proposed in the meantime is it used to be the filibuster the way it worked, and we have 10 times as many, more than that, uh, times the filibuster has been used since 1978. It used to be you had to stand on the floor and exhaust everything you had and, you, and when you gave up the floor and someone else sought the floor, they had to talk until they finished. You're only allowed to do it a second time. After that, it's over. You vote. Somebody moved for the vote. I propose we bring that back now, immediately. Don't worry, the clap sign went on. <laughs> so, and he, he also did reference himself as being uh, in office for 370 <laughs> years. For how many? 370. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah? I get no. enough Biden sometimes, you know. Don't worry. Just, just lower your expectations because it gets better. Anyway, so there's, there, 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 but I, I don't, I must tell you, I don't have a near-term answer. There's two things I could do. Poop my I pants. I could go in the petroleum reserve and take out and probably reduce, re, re, reduce the price of gas maybe 18 cents or so a gallon it's still going to be above three bucks mm. and one of the things that i refused to have happen because i didn't want anybody i made a commitment if you pass the stuff i'm talking about not not one single penny in tax would go against anybody making less than 400 grand and so if you notice this is these highway bills are not paid for by gas tax they're paid for by direct expenditures in other areas mm. So the average person doesn't have to pay more. God, the amount of but Adderall going to be that hard. went into this. It's going to be hard. There's a possibility <laughs> to be able to bring it down. Depends on Depends. a little there bit on Saudi Arabia and a few other things that are Depends on. You know, the thing. And that, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the best the U.S. has to offer. You want me to, like, you, you know, buy that. Hey, you know, he, even though he never has been to the border, <laughs> he did claim again that he's been there. How about new? How about listen to this? <laughs> Do you have plans to visit the southern border? Uh, I've been there before. What? I haven't. I mean, I know it well. I guess I should go down. But the but, but the whole point of it is I haven't had a whole hell of a lot of time to get down. I've been spending time going around looking at the $900 billion worth of damage done by uh, by hurricanes and floods and and weather Climate change. And, tra and traveling around the world. Going to Delaware but, every weekend. Uh, right. I plan the Hamptons on, now every my weekend. Wife Jill has been down. She's been on 
both sides of the river. She's seen the circumstances there. She's looked into those places. You notice you're not seeing a lot of pictures of kids lying on top of one another with, uh, you know, with 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 with, blank, with uh, um, you know, uh, looks like tarps on top of them. We've been able to yeah, deal that. Yeah, because they're not letting them take the Significantly increase funding through the uh, HHS, Health and Human Services, mm-hmm. to provide shelter for these kids and, and people. But there's Give much more to blockers. be done. And uh, and I realize, I I, I think it mm-hmm. is. It's the thing that concerns me the most about being able to get control of it. Your bladder? Because I got to, number one, get enough funding to provide for immediate determination of whether or not someone is, in fact, legitimately claiming a right to stay in the country. Oh, stop it. Wait, I mean, I kind of like where he's going with that. I'd like to have people be able to figure out if it's a legitimate claim. That sounds good. He must have been ad-libbing. That doesn't sound approved. <laughs> I'm going to play the last clip. You're not going to be very happy with it, Noah. But I am going to end on a positive note directly thereafter in our final clip of the day. <laughs> no, that ship has sailed. This, oh. this one kind of more hits at home. As, as many as, as one in three emergency responders in some cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, right here in Baltimore, are refusing to comply with city vaccine mandates. I'm wondering where you stand on that. Should police officers, emergency responders, be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they be stay at home or let go? Yes and yes. Fucking mm. uh, scumbag. By the way, I waited until uh, July to talk about mandating because I tried everything else possible. The mandates are working. All the stuff about people leaving and people getting it. You have you have everyone from United Airlines to Spirit. All these airlines we're not going to get all 96, 97 percent of the people have gotten the vaccine. All the talk about all these folks who are going to leave the military if they're, they're mandated. Not true. You got about a 90 some percent vaccination rate. I mean, so there's a, the idea is that, uh, look, the two things that concern me, one are those who just try to make this a political issue. Freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. No, I mean, come on, freedom. <laughs> Number one. Yeah. Number two, the second one is that, uh, you know, the, the gross misinformation that's out there. I want him to catch it so fucking bad. Mm-hmm. I, I literally, I want to start lighting a candle for it every day. I want him to catch Everyone around him <laughs> is caught it. one of the Clintons thing, you know, like the sepsis and stuff. That's pretty popular these days. Well, yeah. and then he says, I waited until July to start doing the mandates or talking about the mandates. It's like, yeah, that's because your fucking administration and everybody else, even fucking crypt keeper Pelosi was saying that we don't have the right to mandate vaccinations prior to that. Yeah. Yeah. You fucking scumbag. Noah's fired up. And you want to know what we are going to end on a good note with our last clip yesterday, the day after the town hall meeting, I tried to keep her out of the script this week, but I needed to bring her into it. Jen Psaki was asked by Peter Ducey in an epic exchange on Joe Biden and his attendance on the southwest border. Mm. Didn't bode well for her. Let's hear how it went. 
seen from companies, uh, large companies, private sector companies that have implemented these requirements across the board. Okay, following up on something else the president said last night, why did President Biden say he has been to the border? Well, Peter, uh, as you may have seen, there's been uh, reporting that he uh, did drive through the border when he was on the campaign trail in 2008, and he is certainly familiar with the fact, and it stuck with him, with the fact that uh, in El Paso, uh, the border goes right through the center of town. But what the most important thing uh, everyone should know and understand is that the president has worked on these issues throughout his entire career and is well-versed in every aspect of our immigration system, including the border. That includes when he was vice president and he went to Mexico and Central America 10 times to address border issues and talk about what we can do to reduce the number of migrants who are coming to the border. He worked in a bipartisan manner with senators like Ted Kennedy, Harry Reid, John McCain, and others to push for comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, He does not need a visit to the border to know what a mess was left by the last administration. That's his view. Does that count as a visit? He said, I've been there. And he literally drove through going coast to coast on a bus. Campaign <laughs> bus. That was him visiting the border. We all know how close El Paso is to the actual southwest border. Mm. You still depressed about his comments on uh, all of our heroes getting fired? <sighs> hey, he waited till July. Well, thanks. <laughs> Ladies, what do you think? Overall town hall rate it. We all know it's an F, me, F. Noah? Yeah. Antoinette? Yep, of course. Geisha? Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Another one in the books? Oh, yeah. A day late? A dollar short. Are we? Soon. True story. You know what else is a true story? The fact that we really enjoyed having Marissa Hansen on for the yeah. first part of our show and bringing it home with our favorite, fan favorite, Miss Geisha Montez. Thank you for joining us like you always do. Always happy, you know. Uh, it's nice to see everybody as always and just go, go on in the fight together because that's how we stay sane. I always say that mental health is very important. Yeah, when shit hits the fan, we'll definitely meet you in the middle. Hey, I know you say it every time you come on, but tell our listening audience again where, where they can follow you on social media. Uh, G-E-I-S-H-A-M-O-N-T-E-S. That's Geisha Montes. If you, you know, I'm not tuggable, but... If you can find me, Facebook allows you or, or Instagram allows you to, you know, to follow because it gives you a warning that, you know, same warning we all get. Um, yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> and we love you. You want to know what else is uh, worth to follow besides Geisha Montez? It's the Steak for Breakfast podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, FM Player, and now iHeartRadio. Google Podcasts as well. I don't even know what FM Player is. Nice. It's an app. A lot, of, a lot of our European and Australian friends use it. Subscribe to the show, rate it. Don't forget to leave a review. And like we always ask, download, listen, like, follow, and share. Show creds this week, obviously, Marissa Hansen for her input on what's going on in Houston and for the first segment, and Miss Geisha Montez. The Bread Room, Dawnstar1776, The Moose is Loose, Cues for O's, Cagbro88, Babe does news. I think she's still doing that one. She's she's going back and forth between her shadow bands. Also, I, I wanted to mention Sheep No More and the Instagram account, Gabriel Savage. They launched their pilot. 
I'm going to tell you guys, it's on Podbean right now. It'll be on Apple and Spotify next week. Their podcast is amazing. Nice. Yeah, they, they, they are definitely going to be a welcome addition to the podcast family here, like ours, like We The People Radio podcast, and like Reverse Mockingbirds is going to be dropping in a few weeks here. We're going to have him on the show soon. Definitely follow them. Um, sponsors, American-owned and operated. Follow them. Hey, help make American small businesses great again. Odyssey. Audio gear done right. Odyssey.com, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay ready gear. Go buy that rifle to kill your turkey that you'll serve up on Thanksgiving dinner. StayReadyGear.com, Facebook and Instagram as well. Speaking of Thanksgiving dinners, man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat. Buy it, shake it, rub it, deep fry it, stuff it, (laughs) slice it, serve it. Num, num, num. ManRubs.com, Facebook and Instagram. Mediocre Medic, MediocreMedic.com, all of our first responder friends. Love Mediocre Medic's IG. And Marcho Friday, owner, operator, and CEO of Dumpbox.us, home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Follow the Patch Father on Facebook and Instagram as well. Upcoming shows, we got a lot of great shows coming up, and we got a lot of great guests, I tell you guys. On Tuesday, we'll be back with Christina Bob, uh, host of the Weekly Review and journalist for One America News, and Mike Crispy, host of the Red, White, and Truth podcast and all of the Donald Trump Rally pregame festivities for Right Side Broadcasting Network. It's going to be our news friend show. Friday is going to be a big one for Noah and a big one for Steak for Breakfast. We're scheduled to have Miss Carrie Lake, gubernatorial candidate out of Arizona. In addition, we're going to be having Maria Z of Z News from Australia, major influencer there with a large YouTube following. Stilettos and shotguns, major account there, someone who's a 2A advocate and helping women get their concealed carry permits all across the country. Her name is Carrie. She's going to join us as well. In addition to Real America Voice News, Heather Mullins. It's going to be a big mess, but you guys are really going to enjoy it. On November 2nd, we've got Raheem Kassam of the National Pulse, National Pulse Podcast, and War Room. On the 5th is our friend show with Reverse Mockingbird, Truth on Draft 2.0, and the Calling Investor account. Kyle Becker circling back on the 9th of November, and on the 12th, we're going to have, formerly of Playboy and of Maxon, Elizabeth Jade, model, pseudo-actress, and friend of the show. Friends of the week, Brenda Memes 9, Brenda Memes X, she's about ready to get nuked again, the Duke of Memes, Sheep No More, Keck Out of Here, the Defiant Party, which is the non-shadow blocked... Shadow Band one for Reverse Mockingbird. Grand Old Memes, some fire ones this week. Snack Nicholson, whose backup account is <laughs> Uncharted Waters. Make sure you follow both of those. That Southern Dude and Mostly Peaceful Memes. That Southern Dude, Mostly Peaceful Memes, and Grand Old Memes made John Bachman's Newsmax meme team again this week. Follow those accounts. They're awesome. Tag them, share them, get them up where they need to be. Ladies and gentlemen, our friends between now and next, or our things to do in between now and next show. We do them every week. You might be slacking because we gave you an extra day to slack because we didn't do a show yesterday. Do your own research. Hold the line. Ride it. Buy the dip. Can't buy the dip on Bitcoin right now. Oops. It's soaring. Get the fuck in here. Snatch the wigs. Ice your balls. Let's see what happens. Most importantly, and how we always wrap it up, where we go one, we go all. We'll be back on Tuesday 
the 26th of October with Christina Bob of OAN and Mike Crispy of Brightside Broadcasting Network. This has been episode 75 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And on behalf of the team, I'm Roan. Noah? Yo. Thanks for uh, coming in with us this weekend. Antoinette? Yep. And the lovely Geisha Montez? Sorry, yes, sir. Thanks for listening and take care. So I just want to uh, finish my comments, and then I'll let Eric say what he's going to say and just say to the President of the United States, you know, let's go, Brandon. We'll see you in court. I mean, as always, as always, it's very difficult to follow Ken Paxton. So.